today on Ag News Daily. Right now, uh, you're correct. The cash bids are pretty strong. It's still a good selling opportunity with uh, yields that, that I think that a good percentage of guys had last year. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast, sitting in a comfort suite hotel room in South Rochester, Minnesota, get ready to head down to Adams to talk to some corn and soybean growers here in the southern part of the state. Delaney Howell, co-host of the podcast, is also on the line. Delaney, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Mike. How about you? Not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Uh, not, you know, not not like super thrilled. Today was kind of a downer when yeah. we look at the markets, which is what I spend a lot of my day doing. So not not like super great there. But it is nice to be out on the road again, getting ready to uh, talk to growers. I imagine eat uh, some kind of meat-based meal for free. And that's a win. That is a win. It's always fun to be out on the speaking circuit, too, and just chatting to folks about what's going on for them. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, and now, you know, it's interesting, Delaney, we were talking about this, you know, for years, I was on the farm, you were in the town, now I'm in the town, you're on the farm. That's true, we flip-flopped, huh? We flip-flopped. So for me, really, it's great to get out of Chicago, get out into the countryside and connect with growers again, because I can read news reports, and I can be on Twitter talking to my friends in, in agriculture, but until you're out there talking to folks in person, I mean, that's when you get the real story, I think. I would, I would agree with that. Well, speaking of real stories, we've always got stories happening in the world of agriculture. What are some of the ones that uh, you think we need to be discussing today, Delaney Howell? Well, kind of, again, a complex, multi-piece story, if you will, looking at U.S.-Chinese negotiations. So, as uh, you and I have talked about and President Trump has tweeted about, potentially there is the occurrence that another round of market facilitation payment programs could come to fruition. However, Secretary Sonny Perdue has stated multiple times he does not believe that we will be having another round of market facilitation payments and told reporters after a three-hour-long hearing in front of the House Ag Committee that he thinks there is less than a 10% chance that we see farmers receive another MFP for this year. He said China is sending, quote, signals that it intends to honor its pledges, that it intends to honor its pledges. We don't know what those signals are. He didn't really say that. However, I would guess, based off of some other headlines today, that those signals include the potential for buying some more U.S. soybeans, as he also noted Wednesday that China will likely come to the U.S. market for soybeans in late spring and summer after they kind of get done buying some soybeans from Brazil and Argentina. We also saw that Chinese importers have been applying for and getting tariff exemptions to buy U.S. dairy products as a result of this phase one trade agreement. And so we saw quite a few applications come in to get tariff-free dairy products, including skim milk. Sweet whey, whey protein, lactose, and cheese. And uh, CEO Tom Vilsack of the U.S. Dairy Export Council said that it's good news, but he thinks there's still the potential that this won't result in sales. It's not a guarantee that they'll buy U.S. dairy products, but they're at least applying to get some tariff exemptions, which shows to be a good sign. 
Yeah. You know, to, to Secretary Purdue's point, that would definitely count as a signal. Applying for the exemptions, um, applying for the ability to import stuff certainly looks good. We also saw China announce earlier today that they are granting extensions to the soybean tariffs for crushers in that country on soybeans purchased from the U.S. Previously, when China announced they were going to exempt, uh, it was about 13 different crushing companies or importers, I should say, from the soybean tariffs. They were very short-lived. It was a four-month extent. It was a four-month tariff exemption. Now that has been extended for another year. So that certainly lends credence to Secretary Purdue's thought that, well, perhaps maybe China is starting to get serious. But I tell you what, I think the market, the only signal the soybean market is going to trust, or the pork market, or even the dairy market is going to trust, is for China to start writing some checks and taking delivery of some American agricultural goods. Yeah, it has to be some tangible sales, not just these alleged sales or sales that go on the books for next year. I think it has to be actual physical product leaving our borders. I think you're right. We have to be physically drawing down stockpiles before the trade's going to get fired up because we've just been we've been burned too many times before. Definitely. Well, Delaney, I tell you what, there will not be export sales from Argentina for the next four days. Um, the main farm groups in Argentina, four different farm groups, got together and to protest the tax hike, export tax hike that went into effect March 1st. Um, these four groups have said none of their growers are going to make any export sales for the next four days. I don't know why they settled on four days or how they picked that number. You know, most of folks taking delivery of crops can wait four days. Right. You know, I mean, that's not really going to do a whole lot, but I think their main goal is to send a message. Um, for those of us, for those of you who maybe haven't listened to the podcast regularly, we talked about two weeks ago before Commodity Classic about how the new Argentinian government, uh, which is uh, proudly and avowedly socialist, has said they need to raise some revenue. And uh, the quickest way for Argentina to do that is to tax agriculture. It's one of their largest economic segments. And Argentina exports a lot of its agricultural produce. So what they said is we're going to put higher taxes on exports of agricultural goods. Uh, they're not huge tax increases, but they definitely make a difference. Um, basically, the, the big one was earlier today, the government increased uh, taxes on soybeans, soy meal, and soy oil 3% from 30% tax rate to 33%. Um, that's what's got everybody fired up. So and, clarify, uh, clarify for me, Mike, and for our listeners, is this tax being added once this product gets exported out? Is it being taxed at a producer level, such as like a checkoff type of a program or elsewhere? It, my understanding is, is being taxed to the producer. It's being taxed to whoever agrees to export the product. So in mm -hmm. this case, especially if it's meal and oil, it's probably being taxed to crushers. And that was one of the groups that has agreed to this strike. Um, they said that uh, soy companies, excuse me, soy crushing companies have warned that this increase in taxes is going to cripple investment in that sector because it makes them less competitive. So my understanding is, yes, it is going to go back to the producer and um, that's how that's going to get addressed. Okay, gotcha. So really there's no incentive to export if you're having to pay extra taxes. Exactly. So we've seen this happen before. Before the uh, the presidential term of uh, Macri, who was there just before this government was elected, uh, there 
export taxes were very high, and Argentinian farmers responded by just not making sales. They just kept beans, predominantly beans, in bags on farms, and that became the target of a guerrilla movement as the country was saying, hey, we need income, we need income. These greedy farmers, quote, unquote, need to make some sales. There were vandals that would go through the countryside with box cutters and slice open these grain bags so the farmers had no choice but to make the sale. So whether or not that's what this will come back to remains to be seen, but it certainly has tensions high in Argentina. Interesting. All right. Well, Mike, you called this earlier in the week when we talked about crop insurance, but Secretary Purdue is walking back his suggestion that the USDA could raise crop insurance prices. He told reporters on Wednesday that he's been advised he doesn't have the legal authority to adjust those prices, as you kind of speculated or suggested earlier this week on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I've got a feeling that he probably got a couple of questions from growers and was like, yeah, look into it. Then was like told by his staff, oh, no, 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 you are not looking into it. You right. cannot do that. <laughs> and so now he's got to come out and say, yeah, right. turns out I won't. Turns out he can't, so. Right. Well, you know, and it's good news. You know, one of the nice things about the crop insurance programs in this country, whether you like them or hate them, they're at least consistent. It's one of the few things um, managed in a large part by government that, has rules that are clear, uh, relatively understandable, especially if you're working with a good agent and consistent year in and year out, which definitely helps folks make good risk management decisions. Definitely. Mike, well, I have just one other piece of news and it's a little more lighthearted, I suppose you could say. Looking at the food sector and educating consumers, the FDA has released an official marketing campaign called Feed Your Mind, which is a new educational initiative to help customers better understand genetically engineered foods and GMOs. And just looking through what they've put out, it's pretty uh, fact-based, I would say, and try to go through and essentially miss uh, quell some of those mistakes or rumors that consumers think that GMOs aren't safe and really are trying to educate consumers into saying, hey, these are safe and here's why. Good. Well, that, that's good to hear. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where Delaney and I know our audience on the show is predominantly agriculture. And those of us in agriculture are kind of tired of having to fight this battle. But it's a really good thing we have folks out there willing to have these conversations with consumers because at the end of the day, Consumers are going to determine whether or not we can continue to use these tools that are in our toolbox. Absolutely. It's the era of the consumer, so we've got to educate them. You know, yeah. And, you know, the other side of that is it's the era of government over, overreach or governmental. I call it overreach. Other listeners might disagree. Maybe it's the proper place of government. But regardless, those rules and regulations are shaped by consumers. We might as well try and do our best to give them the best information possible. So they're not pushing for stupid policies. Absolutely. Well, I've got just one more piece of news as well. This is coming out of the United Nations Food Agency. They said that world food prices slipped, dropped in February for the first time in five months, basically because the spread of coronavirus is dampening demand for some products. So this is coming from the Food and Agricultural Organization, Food and Agriculture Organization. This is their price index. It wasn't down a lot, but it was down 1%. And um, they're looking at a, a basically a basket of food, cereals, oil seeds, dairy products, meat, and sugar. And they said 
in total, all of those prices are down 1% in January. So this is January, excuse me, from January into February. And uh, that's what they're looking at there. And so that should be a good thing as we try to build demand. But it is going to be a challenge, particularly for the quote-unquote middlemen in the agricultural sector, the processors, the packers, because meat was the big one. It was down 2% uh, as imports were declining into China. And they could feel the squeeze first before it uh, you know, ripples its way down to producers over time if this slide continues to happen. All right. Welcome to the Hot Rod Farmer Minute. I am Ray Bohax from the Idle Chatter podcast heard on the Global Ag Network. Most every farm shop has on the shelf two of the most valuable helpers, yet they are hardly ever used. What are they, you ask? Anti-seize compound and spray silicone. A can of clear spray silicone is a wonder treatment for any rubber found on machinery or vehicles. Purchase the type that does not collect dust and use it to preserve weather stripping, constant velocity joint boots, hoses, rod ends, and countless other items. The silicone will prevent cracking along with weather checking and will keep the material pliable. Also, use it as a temporary lubricant when installing cooling system hoses or the like. Anti-seize compound should be applied to spark plug threads, the hub for brake drums and rotors, and every nut and bolt. It will make for a non-eventful disassembly in the future instead of a nightmare. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Please visit FarmMachineryDigest.com for more helpful hints and technical articles. Well, I tell you what, speaking of slides, should we take a look at the slide in the commodity market pricing today? Let's do it. All right, folks, looking over at corn, the May corn contract was down three and a quarter cents at 381 and three quarters. December down one and three quarters, closing the day at 383 and three quarters. In soybeans, the May contract dropped 10 and a quarter cents on the day, finishing at 897 even. November new crop down nine, closed at 908 and a half. Over in the Chicago wheat, the May contract was up half a cent at 518 and three quarters. The December was down a quarter to close at 537 and three quarters. Looking over at the world of livestock, again, more weakness in the cattle complex today. April live cattle down $2.62.5, closing at 108.65. June down $1.8750 to finish at 102.65. Feeders following that same path, the April contract dropped $1.90 at 133.65. The May down $1.97.5 to close at 134.45. Strength in lean hogs, however, the April contract was up $1.0750 at 65.37.5. The May up 62.5, finishing at 71.22.5. Looking over at the world of dairy, we've got some positive movement today. The March contract, Class 3 milk, up a nickel at 16.37, while the April was up three cents, finishing at 16.04. And with that, Delaney, let's have a conversation for today's interview. Well, folks, as Delaney and I mentioned, I am up in Mauer County, Minnesota, in the county seat, right, of Adams right now. I believe so. 
perfect. Well, I'm talking to a resident expert here. The uh, president of Mauer County Corn Growers, Joel Nelson, is a farmer here in Mauer County, raises corn and soybeans. And Joel, we've got a meeting coming up here. We're going to have growers coming in from around the county. What should I expect? What's the attitude going to be? How did last year work out for a lot of guys in this part of the world? I think that uh, you're going to see um, a, a broad range of probably attitudes. There was some, uh, I think, probably good, really good pockets and some really bad pockets. There was some a certain percentage of crops that were unplanted as well, some prevent in the area. Uh, myself, I had a very small percentage, okay. but uh, that, that worked out pretty good, um, even though it didn't get planted. Um, but I think, uh, you know, just from the you know, marketing side, overall picture, there's still a lot of uh, negativity, if you want to use that word, uh, towards the overall economics of, of farming right now. Right. Last week didn't do us any favors if we've got corn in the bin. Exactly. Yeah. So when you look around at the marketing situation here in southern Minnesota, in particular southeastern Minnesota, um, we've been hearing about strong cash bids across the country. Uh, it, it seems to be everywhere. Now, this part of the world did grow a pretty good crop, by and large. You didn't have to prevent plant that they saw in South Dakota. How are cash bids holding up for, for growers around here, and who's bidding the hardest? Right now, uh, you're correct. The cash bids are pretty strong. It's a, still a good selling opportunity with uh, yields that, that I think the, a good percentage of guys had last year. Um, uh, from locally, for myself, and I believe probably you know, a 50-mile radius or so, <clears throat> the ethanol plants are bidding the strongest. Um, Eight eight under right now is about like my local bid, which is fantastic right now. So, um, and that's similar similar numbers that I'm hearing from nearby. Um, I actually think that's probably one of the better ones that I've heard. So, okay. Yep. Well, how are things? I mean, of course, we're we're seeing it's snowing up here in Minnesota. Of course, it's snowing in Minnesota, but we are getting close, believe it or not, to getting those planters rolling. When you're talking to your members, when you're talking to your friends and neighbors, is anybody planning any big acreage shifts? Anybody excited about any particular commodity in particular heading into 2020? From friends that I talk to, colleagues, it sounds like everyone's staying about what they were. Um, but I have just had a discussion with a friend the other day, and it was if it dries out early, stays warm, we will we'll end up having more corn planted than what probably was planned on. Yep. And the idea being, okay, the ratio, the split, no real advantage one way or the other, but the thought is maybe there's a better upside on corn. Up here, you can just really grow the bushels if the weather works out for you? I think so, yeah. You know, we tend to not have the always the extreme heat that, you know, even like southern Iowa has, you know, which isn't that far away, but, uh, you know, pretty consistent uh, yields from, from year to year. Yep. Okay. If you, if you get them planted, yeah. Now, one of the other things, when we're up in this part of Minnesota in particular, we are darn close to the spam capital of the world. We've got a lot of livestock. We do. I mean, you've got a lot of pork on feed. You've got uh, some cows and calves. You've got a few guys with feedlots. You've got some dairies. We're, we're fairly close to Wisconsin. And when you see those folks, when you meet, meet those livestock producers around the county, what's their attitude? I mean, they're still growing. They're still, uh, still in business. I haven't heard of any major bankruptcies or foreclosures or people bailing out of the business of you no it seems like uh you know myself i don't have livestock so i don't have my you know my i don't have the real you say you look you look tanned and rested yeah, so you, we know you don't have livestock right, right uh no tan yet but we'll see <laughs> right. um the, I, the barns, I, the pig barns, um, I believe, are, are full. You know, um, I've seen a little expansion as well. I've okay. seen I've seen barns go up in the last year or two. So yeah, I think you're, you're on track there. That there is um, 
livestock out there need for feed, and so therefore uh, good uh, competition maybe with the ethanol plants for for uh, for that product, and so stronger bids. You know. Yeah, Joel. One of the things that I, I think folks have. I've heard a lot of talk about it, and it certainly sounds justified. And just before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts. This corn crop we pulled out of the field in 2019 hasn't done a great job of keeping. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking to folks tonight, is safety one of the big issues you think we need to be talking more about? I mean, it just seems like grain bin fatalities have been, uh, there's been a, a number of them this year. There's been way too many than anybody would like to see. How can we address it? What should we be thinking of as growers? Yeah, that's really been in the news, actually. I mean, there hasn't been... Uh, a lot right around here, but you hear you hear of those. It doesn't matter where they happen; you hear of them. So um, there has been a number of them where guys are going into, you know, knock down crusted grain or, or what have you, and yeah, it ends up in a, in a you know a really catastrophic situation. So I just my yeah my advice would be, you know, don't go in there when a auger's running. If you have to go in to dislodge something, make sure you have a spotter or somebody with you, you know, to make sure that you're safe. So, yeah. The buddy system. The buddy system would be a great term for that. Yep. Well, Joel Nelson, president of Maurer County Corn Growers, and thanks so much for having me up here. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to giving to a talk tonight, Good. eating some, uh, some free food. Looking forward to having you speak. Thank you. All right, lots of interesting things happening always in the world of agriculture, Delaney. And if listeners want to stay caught up to date, where should they go to do that? Well, Mike, we have a ton of great information, interviews, and other things we're always covering on the Ag News Daily Podcast. So find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or agnewsdaily.com to catch up on past episodes or connect with us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.